You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Well, we're going to start the 4th of July early here. Rick Franzi uh, decided to take the day off today, and a well-deserved one it was. I know he's going uh, somewhere for uh, vacation, and uh, I wish him well. So today, I'm going to be holding down double duty. I'm going to be the engineer producer, as I normally am for this show, as well as the host. And for those of you who are new to this show, let me just give you a quick overview of what uh, Coast to Coast is all about. Coast to Coast was created um, as an offshoot of Rick's original show, Critical Mass, uh, the radio show, and his business, Critical Mass for Business. And all of that is built around the simple idea that you can learn from others. There is truth in uh, peer groups. There is power in peer learning. And so as he started to interview local businesses and talk about uh, what's working, what's not working, he saw there was a need to expand upon that, not just talk about here in Southern California where his original show and where Rick is based, but also to talk to businesses across the country. And since then, we've talked to hundreds and hundreds of businesses, and I'm always amazed at the stories that they bring forth here. And today, I'm sure, will be no different. Uh, we have with us Patty Tawadros. I hope I said that correctly, the CEO of Zercel. Welcome, Patty. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, did I get your name correct here? I, I, I asked you beforehand, and then I, I think I pronounced it correctly, Tawadros. Yes, absolutely. What ethnicity is Tawadros? So usually I can guess what they are, but I, I can't picture. Is that is that Greek? Is that Hispanic? I, I can't even imagine where Tawadros comes from. It's a Greek name for people living in Egypt. So oh, my dad is oh. Egyptian, and he got a Greek name. Isn't that amazing? Well, see, I was pretty close. I guessed Greek. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. All right, so the next guess, what is Zercel? It's spelled X-E-R-C-E-L, but it's pronounced like Xerxes, like the ancient king, the Persian king here. Uh, <laughs> so what, did you know that? <laughs> That's the only thing I can relate to. <laughs> so what is Zercel? Zercel is a branding firm. We started 10 years ago. In fact, we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary a few months ago. And we do social media strategy. We implement social media. We build websites. We rebrand companies, do their marketing collateral, and help them with actual business strategy. And how you, you've hit upon something very near and dear to my heart here. How does a branding company differ from a traditional ad agency, social media agency, PR agency, all these other sort of functions that that sometimes uh, get involved in creating the overall story or brand for it. How, how do you differentiate yourself from those other traditional firms? Well, I don't know if it's going to be the way you expect. But <laughs> okay, <laughs> It doesn't have to please me. I'm really just wanting to learn here. <laughs> the way I see it differently is that, you know, a brand is essential to who your business is, so everything needs to be cohesive. And because we do almost all areas that people need except for buying and placing media, we can design a logo, carry it through their letterhead and their business cards, their collateral, make their website function the way it needs to for the end user, 
and then implement their social media strategy. So we're bringing everything into one place and making everything cohesive. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think that's powerful because I always learned that one of the things, one of the key elements of a successful brand was to be clear about what is it that you're trying to convey. Make sure the colors say the same thing as the words, as the as as the images. Everything's got to convey the same feeling, the same story to it. So consistency is important. And then persistency. You've just got to plug away at it, and everything that you do has got to convey that same message. Am I, do, you, do you agree with that? Am I, am I correct in that assumption, or do you see it differently? No, I agree 100%. A lot of people will create a brand and then they get bored with it and move on to some other variation of it, a different variation of their logo, and people forget who they are. You know, everybody thinks they're the next Apple. Yes, right. You know, and oh, not that many people are. And I had the privilege when I had a marketing company. I was I came at it from public relations. I was a public relations person who got pulled into the overall marketing message because I'm in my mid fifties here. I'm I'm undoubtedly older than you are here. And so when I first started doing this, there wasn't anybody called branding. We didn't talk about branding in the eighties or nineties or whatever. We just tried to that was that was sort of a new idea that started to come to the forefront here. We always knew there were brands. There were there was always Coca Cola. But the assumption was you had to be 100 years old before you had that kind of instant recognition, instant identification, and instant emotion attached to your brand. If you said Coca-Cola, everybody smiled and it meant something to them. You know, they remembered drinking it as a kid or something here. So when we got into it, um, we really tried to, tried to bring it all together, as you're trying to talk about here. And it wasn't easy because the ad agency created some ad that focused on price the uh, as we started to build websites there somebody's brother did that and they put flames in it because they thought that looked really cool on the internet and then somebody's wife designed the store and they wanted purple and marble and other sorts of things in it so you had this high class store and this low cat low cost ad with this cool uh kid designed website what is, awful. And what does that give you? All the time. I see that all the time, too. And I don't know why people are so dumb about it. You know, they, they think that every, they, they go and parcel it all out. So I've seen over the last few years, companies like yours uh, more and more come into uh, uh, being and into the forefront. We had a company um, from Texas a few months ago on this show. Um, I can't remember the name of it now. Blue something. It was an unusual name like Blue Lizard or something, and um, or Blue Clover or something like that. And they were, again, a branding company. They did all the things that you're talking about. They also did public relations, which I thought was a little unusual. But they didn't do media buying. And you say that you don't do media buying. What, what's everybody's fear about media buying? Why is that not part of the package here? No one say that it's a fear, but you build these relationships when you're doing media buying. And, you know, we really focus on our expertise, which is, branding across those different media platforms, mm -hmm. but when it comes to buying space magazines, getting radio time, TV time, that's not our area of expertise, and we don't pretend that we do things we don't do. Okay. Well, I should turn you on to, I have a very good friend of mine from many years ago who was a um, uh, head of advertising for KABC out here and a number of other big radio stations, and she's, that's all she does is media buying. She oh, focuses well, across... contact. Yeah, I'll definitely pass that on to you here. She, wonderful. Um... Um, Deb Wagner is her name. Deborah French Wagner. Her French is her maiden name, and Wagner's her her married name. 
Um, well, so why is everybody so excited about Brand? Why why did why did I get pulled out of just doing public relations and try and get into building this overall story or image around your product or service? And why has that continued to the point where now there are fewer and fewer traditional ad PR marketing firms and more and more of them see themselves as branding agencies such as yourself? What is so what's the big deal about a brand? It's everything. It's the reputation of a business. It's what people associate anytime they see a color scheme on something, uh, a mark, your logo. They automatically have this collection, just like you said with Coca-Cola, that you get excited and it's delicious and you can't wait to drink one. Mm -hmm. When people see your logo or a product you made, they have an automatic association, whether they love it or they hate it. And you need a firm that's going to come behind you and take your vision and help push it forward out to the community so that users see it and they get a good feeling and they have a way to get on Facebook and ask questions about the product and tell you when they're having a problem. And it's a great way to interact with your customers, too. We had a guest, uh, an author, on another one of our shows. We do a variety of shows here at OC Talk Radio. And so I get the privilege of listening to them all because, obviously, I'm producing them or engineering uh, most of them. And, the, again, I'll have to... I'm, Sorry, I don't remember the name of the book. I'll have to look it up while we're talking here. But he said, I thought this was clever. He said, a brand is what people say about you when you're not around. I thought that was kind of clever. What do you, what do you think of that idea? Is it, is it oh, more yeah. than just what they say about you? And then I, I'll give you another one. Another person was on one of our shows and said, brand is the emotion attached to your product or service. And they gave the example of Harley Davidson, which for middle-aged men like me is an instant Oh yeah, easy rider. I'm I'm not grown up. I'm not I haven't given in. I'm still a wild rebel and I ride my Harley on the weekends here. Yeah, I agree. It's all about emotion. You know, it's the way people what they say about you when you're not there. And for me, I will say it's the, your reputation. Mm-hmm. It's how people have seen you conduct business. So, you know, if you're a, a big company and you're hiring child labor and people find out about it, yes. you know, that's what they think of you now. Isn't that what happened with uh, Kathy Lee Gifford? She had this perky image and she was creating these clothes for, I don't know, Kmart or something, and then all of a sudden it turned out that they were using child labor to do these things. That sort of undercut the message here. Yeah, that's awful. That's, yeah, so, you know, that all goes back to your brand. It's how do you, and then how do you conduct yourself in business? If you don't treat people well, you're going to get a bad reputation and it's all going to tie back to your brand. Well, again, in the, this is a topic that comes up quite often on this radio station and a number of our shows. And, in fact, we have a show called Branding Business. It's on Tuesdays at uh, 5 o'clock, and it's hosted by a branding agency here in Southern California, a company called Ricus Baird. They handle American Airlines and locally here Hogue Hospital and all sorts of other big brands. And for them, they kind of work at that higher level of, of major brands, uh, and quite often get pulled into uh, rebranding issues. And for them, they say it's the promise. The brand is your promise. It isn't just what people say about you. It isn't just that fuzzy emotion attached to when when somebody says your name. But it's it's also it's a promise back to your consumer about what it is that you're going to do. Do you do you see that? Do you do you get involved in that kind of? Is it is it because you mentioned kind of social awareness and social uh, strategies here? Is it is it that too? Yeah, one of my clients is a major flashlight manufacturer, and Hmm. I manage their social media page on Facebook, and I manage their Twitter and YouTube, and I see what people are writing, and 
people write in with the amazing experience they had and they're excited to buy another flashlight from this company. And then you have the people that write in and say, I had such an amazing experience and now my flashlight broke. What am I going to do? You know, and it's, yeah, the expectation that they're going to have another amazing experience, that this is something they can rely on. It's going to be durable. It's going to be with them for a long time. I see so many companies in my previous life doing marketing and in my current role as a producer for these shows and listening to various businesses talk about it. Everybody wants to have a brand. Everybody wants to have an image, a story, a message, a promise, uh, emotion attached to their um, uh, products and services. But so many of them just seem to be selling commodities. All there are, The only thing that differentiates them, I mean, they all say, yeah, we give you the best service and we really dedicated and we love our customers and all these kind of fuzzy, warm, fuzzy feelings they convey in their mission statements. But at the end of the day, particularly in a tough time, they seem to be just battling it out over price. Um, a flashlight manufacturer would be the perfect example. I, I can't imagine there being emotion attached to a flashlight. So, so talk about that. How do you, how do you do compete more? How do you get your customers to compete more than just we get the best product at the best price? Well, for this company, it's tying into who their customers are. So they work with firemen, hmm. military, police, automotive guys, and it's you know creating advertising that speaks to them and delivering a product that actually fills their needs for a fireman, a a flashlight that's going to stand up to the heat of a fire, Mm -hmm. that's going to run after it's been dropped from the top of a building. Mm. Their flashlights get run over by trucks when police officers are chasing people or it gets left on top of the police car and rolls off into traffic and it gets run over. Those are the kinds of things that build that brand for my client. See, and that makes so much sense because when you said flashlight, I thought, okay, to me, a flashlight's a flashlight. You know, whichever one works and is the cheapest, I'd buy it. But I don't have to rely on it to keep my life, you know, to protect me if I'm caught in a smoke-filled building or something here. So immediately when you said that. Yeah, situations. Yeah, exactly. Do you help them find the brand or do you help them just articulate the brand? This company is really well-established. So I came. I come in and I just help them maintain their brand in the social media mm-hmm. atmosphere. So making sure that when people are complaining about a problem, that it's addressed quickly. They have an amazing warranty. So just letting people know how they can get the service that they need. And when people say that they had a great experience, encouraging them and giving them positive feedback and sharing their posts with other people. Mm-hmm. It just helps to give back to the community and gives people a sense of ownership of the brand. Mm-hmm. As Seth Godin said, I'm sure you're familiar with Seth Godin. Don't we all love Seth Godin? I love yeah, that whole idea of yeah. tribes. You know, that's what we're breaking into in this in this world. Our own little, we're not just defining ourselves by the city we live in and the socioeconomic data that people want to fill in for us. You know, we create our own tribe of flashlight lovers or something, you know, of, of people who really rally around different points here. And as you said, you need someone who's a sneezer. Someone who gets into your thing and then they just keep telling people about it. Explain about that because I've heard that before and I don't know that we've ever articulated that on the station. I thought that's a very clever way to put that. What's a sneezer? I think the best example is I bought a Dyson vacuum cleaner and I have a dog (laughs) and that dog sheds like there's no tomorrow. (laughs) And I used to have carpeting uh, area rugs and I used to vacuum my house with a regular vacuum and think it was clean. And then I just, you know, I get hooked on new things. I thought it looked cool. I go and I buy this vacuum, I come back, and I vacuum my house, 
and I look in the canister. It was so disgusting, filled with dog <laughs> hair. I had no idea that my vacuum was that subpar. So I tell my best friend. My best friend has four dogs. Right. She lives in the country. She buys it. She tells the woman who's sitting next to her at the manicure station. She tells the woman right. at school. You know. And just like, like a virus is spread by a sneeze, suddenly you have virally spread this this excitement about this product here. Yeah, and for dog lovers, it's the best invention in the world. Well, I'll tell you, it's great for cat lovers, too. We have three cats, and we similarly bought a Dyson with the animal of uh, whatever special feature and had the exact same thing so dyson there you go there's a free endorsement from two pe- two people here we both <laughs> sneezed and spread this all over our internet here That's right. um you also brought up a lot about social media and let's talk about that because uh, uh, i see a lot of businesses still scratching their heads saying i don't know what the heck i'm doing this for other than everybody expects me to do it, other than all my competitors are doing it. What is social media, and how and why should businesses be utilizing it? Well, here's the thing. Social media hits a certain age range. They say that the average user is from 18 to 34 years old, and Mm -hmm. it's a female. Mm -hmm. But the numbers are also changing, and it's growing to the outside, where it's going from 34 into people in their 60s, with the older generation getting on there to keep in touch with their children and see their grandkids. Exactly. Or their last long-lost classmates like I found myself doing on Facebook here. Yeah, it's a great way to reconnect with people. But when you're a brand, you know, maybe when you're a small company like me, I don't see a, a huge need to go over the top with social media because I don't have thousands of people that I'm trying to connect with. I'm connecting right. with a hundred customers right. who I'm talking to, but when you have a brand and they're trying to reach a certain clientele, whether it's a restaurant or a product, you can actually get to people in your demographic through social media because that's where they spend the majority of their time. Mm-hmm. I just saw a study the other day that said the most of people's time is spent online, mm-hmm. and then it started backing down. I wish I had the study in front of me, and it you know just kept backing down from their different activities. But if you're trying to get that target audience, you can get them right there online. You can communicate with them. You can advertise on Facebook. They have a really smart algorithm where you can put in the age range you're looking for, the gender, their marital status, if Mm -hmm. you have kids, where do they live, what are their interests, and suddenly you've narrowed down your target audience and you can market your product or your service to a very select group Mm -hmm. and get great results. And I always say it's a way to start a conversation. I don't think you anybody tweets and people turn around and buy. I don't think you go on Facebook and the orders start flying in. But if you want to start meeting people that might be interested in your product or service and start a conversation with them, what do you what do you offer? What are they interested in? And go back and forth for a while. It 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 leads up to the point that you might actually get some qualified leads, some prospects, and then be able to start the selling process with them but it's a conversation that's what it is to me but it also helps to expand things because if one of your friends let's say dyson was on facebook back in the day right and you and i hadn't you know bought our vacuums yet and i went on there and i bought that vacuum and i then i went on facebook and i loved it and i click that i like their page and i write a comment it's going to show up on my wall Mm -hmm. my friends are going to see it and they're going to take that as a recommendation from me it's a multiplier then right yeah so that's why people need to be in facebook you know they don't see the value probably the decision makers aren't 18 to 34 year old women yeah 
you know, they don't understand the value, and I get that. But it's about being where your customers are. So you do things that are uncomfortable to you because that's what business is about. There was a famous bank robber in the 1920s or 30s uh, whose name escapes me here, uh, Willie something, and he said, they asked him once, why do you rob banks? And he said, because that's where the money is. You know, why go on social media? Because that's where the customers are. Yeah. If millions and millions of people are there, why wouldn't you want to be there? Well, here's the thing that I haven't wrapped my head around yet. I can see why they should be engaged in social media. Um, but how do they do it? Because in most companies, it's an add-on for somebody else. It's it's an extra thing I'm asking the secretary or my assistant or somebody in the office that's young and hip and into this stuff. Hey, why don't you maintain our Facebook page? Why don't you post uh, tweets once in a while? Why don't you set up a LinkedIn thing for us? It's There isn't anybody in the organization to do it because it is an ongoing process. You can't just tweet once a year and expect it to do anything. So I, I think that's where companies like yours can come in. But talk about that a little bit. How do if you once you convince them to do it, how do they maintain this channel? How do they maintain this content? So I do this for different clients. So for one of them, you know, we're on a very tight schedule. We have a, a posting schedule to post their videos to YouTube, and then I push them out to Facebook and Twitter, and then they give me things that they want posted on Facebook. And then I take my time and I go and find things that are interesting to share with their fans. Mm-hmm. So that's one way to do it where you have kind of a partnership. Mm-hmm. Another way to do it is you find a young salesperson because you're viewing it as a sales channel. Mm-hmm. So you get the salesperson or a customer service rep to rotate through and have different days where they're responsible for answering questions from customers. Mm-hmm. And as long as you get a unified, unified voice in the way things are being answered, then you know it's a great way for salespeople to get leads or customer service people to deal with customers one-on-one and solve problems. Well, again, the promise was supposed to be that you can now communicate directly with your consumers. If you're Coca-Cola or your uh, flashlight company, you don't have to just go through a middleman. Coke goes through stores to sell their products to you. The flashlight probably does the same thing. And in the old days, it was all about communicating with your distributors or your dealers or your retailers or whatnot, and that's still an important function. But you didn't talk to the end consumer very much. Now you have the opportunity through social media to talk directly with them. They're going to they're going to go, and if you don't talk to them, they're going to talk anyway. We're already talking about Dyson. They didn't even know that you and I are discussing Dyson on a whole other channel here. And well, that's the thing I want to interject, too, yeah. is why should companies do it? And that's just kind of what you just said, because if you don't do it, someone else is doing it for you, and yeah. you might not like what's being said about you. Exactly. And what if you and I both had an awful experience with Dyson, and suddenly we both confirmed, oh, my goodness, that was a horrible product here. Yeah, so it's a reputation management, and you need to know what people are saying about you. So you need to set up alerts and get notified when people post about you. So it's not just, you know, let me just stick my head in the sand and hope that this whole social media thing goes away. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like I said, if if you think people aren't talking about you, you're wrong. And yeah, your brand is what they're saying when you're not there. I thought it was very interesting that I read an article in Advertising Age a couple months ago. Maybe it was longer than that. And it said that Edelman, the largest PR firm in the world, they just hired some executive producer 
from the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, to help create content for their customers. And I thought, wait a minute, that's not what PR firms are supposed to do. PR firms are supposed to be the middleman that carry your message into their friends, their contacts, the people in the media that they know, and then convince them to write about it. And all of a sudden you've got PR people that are actually saying, no, we'll become content producers. We'll become Hollywood uh, storytellers for you here. We're going to create your own videos. We're going to create your own uh, online newspaper, your own online radio station or podcast. We're going to help you create, become your own media company. That, that's a, that's a, a daunting challenge for most businesses here. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that bad. You know, you start with something small and answer some questions that people ask, post interesting information, start engaging, and as it becomes bigger, it's probably becoming more fun mm-hmm. to interact and to see that feedback, and it gets exciting. But I guess what I'm, I'm trying to lead our audience to the conclusion that I've already come to, that they need people like you. Because oh, yeah, it's not just call me and hire me. <laughs> that, that's no it. No need to do it in house. <laughs> <laughs> no need to do this in house. I don't think that most companies are set up to handle it in house. I don't think that they are prepared to do it on a continual basis, um, which is really what you need to do to monitor it, to respond to people. If it's a conversation, then you can't just put it. Out. It isn't an ad. You can't just put your Facebook page up there and be done with it. People. You know, and if it works, they're going to start responding to you, and then you've got to respond back to them. And there's an engagement, there's a dialogue, there's a continuing conversation that takes place there. I think it would be better off to have somebody, a professional, handle that for you. And whatever it, whatever you charge, I'm sure it's well worth it here. Most of the thing is, somebody gets to know your brand, and they understand how to respond to people. Right. So you can't just, like I said earlier, if you had people in house doing it, you need the same voice to be communicating with the customers. Mm-hmm. And that's tough to do when it's in-house and you have three or four different people. Oh, yeah. You've got uh, Joe, the young salesman, saying one thing, how cool this product is. And uh, then you've got somebody over here, uh, me, the older engineer, who's saying, well, but it's also the best built and we've got the you know, the best gears and the best contacts. You people saying things that are actually not factual. Yeah, right. And that's tough because now you've just put it out there and it's almost like a promise. Yeah, right, exactly. And then it deteriorates your brand. Yes, exactly. Well, hang around for a second if you can. Can you stick around for a couple more minutes? I'd love to continue this conversation. I only have two guests today, but we'd only have one guest, so we can give you a little more time if you'd like. Um, But I do have to run some commercials here to uh, help uh, uh, our brand promise (laughs) that we made to our advertisers here. So stick around. We'll be back with Patty Tawadras the CEO of Zercel, right after this. OCTalkRadio.net Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com. Or call us at 
560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's succession-strategies.com. Succession-strategies.com. Succession planning for your family's continued success. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Again, that's the whole purpose of the show here, is to talk to others within uh, your industry and in other industries and to learn from the experiences of others. Today we're trying to learn from Patty Tawadras, the CEO of Zercel. How uh, We talked a lot about your uh, about branding in general, but let's talk about your business in specific here. You, you mentioned you're a small business uh, as Give us some idea of the size of your of your company here. We have uh, five people here in the United States, and then I have my partner in Russia that I started my business with. Your partner in Russia? I can't just drop that and say, oh, okay, everybody has a partner in Russia. <laughs> How and why do you have a partner in Russia? Well, we used to work together at a consulting company, and then when the dot-com bubble burst, you know, we were all kind of doing our own thing. Right. And... He approached me with one other guy and said, let's start Zercel. Mm -hmm. So the three of us started this company together. One guy dropped out, and then my partner, Vlad, wanted to go back to Russia and start a family. Hmm. He'd been here for about 10 years. So mm -hmm. he moved back to Moscow, and he had gotten married. So he's over there, and he has a team over there. And then we're over here doing, you know, work projects together. Now i got got 100 questions. What is it like to try and do branding in the Soviet, the former Soviet Union in Russia. Here, it, does business operate the same way? Is is a brand a brand wherever it is, or is there something unique about that marketplace? You know, I can't really speak for Vlad and what it's like for him over there, but my impression is a brand is a brand is a brand. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, certainly uh, brands have become universal. I remember going many years ago with my wife and daughter down to the British Virgin Islands. And we were way out in some obscure island, and I thought, boy, I'm a million miles away from U.S. civilization, or at least it felt like it to me. And there the, uh, this young African-American kid comes up, and he has a Lakers T-shirt on. And I thought, well, okay, I can't even get away from the lake. I'm a Laker fan. I can't even get away from the uh, other side of the world here. Probably so, a T-shirt your wife is trying to get rid of. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I probably gave it to him. Here, kid, have a T-shirt. Well, it is amazing, you know, how powerful those brand images are. You see them all in, in 
anywhere on the planet, you're likely to see Coca-Cola or Caterpillar or, or Ford Motor or a million other things are probably your flashlight here. Um, let's talk, though, about your company. So you got you founded this. It, what's it like having a partner? How, I don't even know how many time zones away that is. That's going to be six or eight or ten time zones away. It's enough to make it a challenge to communicate. One of us has to stay up late or get up really early if we're in the middle of a project. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're online all day with Skype. And, and does he work on accounts with you here, or is it just a way to get business there? No, we have a client that we share, mm-hmm. a pretty big client that we share, and it's been like that for years. It's been great, and when I have IT stuff that I need help with that I can't fit into my schedule here, he takes care of it, and when he has stuff that he needs, I take care of it here. So it's a, it's a great partnership to have. Have you gone to Russia and seen your office there, or is it just a virtual? As, as far as you know, it's it's you know it's just a, a connection through the internet here. It's so terrible. I missed his wedding, and I <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the office. It's so bad. But we're both so busy that he comes over from time to time because his brother is here. Mm-hmm. But I haven't made it back. He's made it easy for me and been the one to come across. So here you are. A relatively, you know, a, an SMB, small to mid-sized businesses, and yet, for you, you know, doing business in Russia is just like down the street here, just like around the corner here. Your your partners on the other side of the world. Um, what else? Tell. Let's talk a little bit about how you got into this and why you formed this company. Why didn't you just go work for somebody else after the dot com bubble blew up here? Well, my dad was a entrepreneur himself he Mm -hmm. worked for a company but he had a printing business that he ran for my whole childhood and he got me into doing graphic design work when i was still in school Mm. when i was in high school and i would see what he was doing and that he had his own business and it was really exciting to have this power over your own life Mm -hmm. and when i graduated from college he told me you should freelance when people offer you jobs you should say yes always say yes and take the work and it's good to have extra money Mm -hmm. So I was doing that, and when I got laid off, I thought, here's my chance to just go out on my own. And I did interview for full-time jobs, and I had offers, but I thought I could work for somebody else 40 to 60 hours a week mm-hmm. and then get laid off in another, you know, technology bubble. Right. Or I could work for myself and control my destiny, and that's the direction I decided to go in. And. Obviously, you're of a younger generation here, I'm guessing, so that seems to be the way of the world these days. You know, people aren't expecting corporations to take care of them from cradle to grave anymore here. No. Back when I left my first job, my mom was so upset. She thought, you know, because they were like a family. It was a a big company, but it had a really nice corporate culture. Yeah, right. She said, why would you leave? You've been there. They're so good to you. And she didn't get it because she was in that mindset of you go somewhere and you stay there until you retire. Yep. My father, uh, who's in his 90s now, spent uh, his entire life with one company. He started working for Chrysler Corporation when he was a kid on the assembly line and ended up becoming a vice president uh, late in life there. So 45 years he put to one company. You know, that's that's the old-fashioned way here. But I've read more and more where people see themselves as freelancers, even when you work for a big company, because you're always afraid, hey, they're going to contract and I'm going to get laid off, and so... Even when you work for a corporation, you seem to have that, that freelancer mentality here. And the other thing is people always think, oh, you work for yourself, You're, you are your own boss, you don't have to deal with the crap that we have to deal with, with 
politics in the office. And I think, <laughs> no, you're nuts. I have to deal with the politics at every single client. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's escalated. It's it's not an easier thing having your own business. It's so how do you handle that challenge? Because the other misconception is, well, gee, I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to set my own hours. It's going to be easy. And if you're like most people who work for themselves, they end up spending a lot more time on their business than they probably would if they had a nine-to-five job here. I think I was definitely like that in the very beginning, in the first, I shouldn't say very beginning, in the first probably six years. Mm -hmm. And then as the business became more stable and more people started working with me or for me, it became easier to walk away on the weekends, Mm -hmm. except when there's an emergency. So it, it is a balancing act, but, you know, it's something that I'm doing for my future. And where do you see the future? What what uh, if we had you back in five years? What would um, uh, Zercel look like here? Zercel, I keep saying Zercel. Zer, you, you put the emphasis on the second syllable here. Zercel. Zercel. Okay. I'm actually working on a gamified behavior modification program that we're doing for ourselves that you, we're going to launch. You just said something, and I got to stop you. I have no idea what you just said. You have to say that again. You you, you had some. <laughs> Tetno babble thing there that I, I have it went way over my head here. So so throw that out again and explain what it is. All right, I said gamified. I figure it's a game. Behavioral modification. Gamified behavioral modification. I have never heard that term before. I'll make it easy for you. You have kids that have to do chores. Right. You have kids. Yes, I have a. I, well, I have a daughter who's twenty one now. I, guess, I don't know if she thinks she's a kid anymore here, but I have I have so a child. Back in the day, she right. had to make her bed. Right you know, put her clothes away, pick up her toys, and that's a behavior. And a lot of kids, including myself, left their toys out, didn't want to make their bed. You know, your parents want you to change your behavior. Right. So they say, Patty, make your bed or you're not going to be able to watch TV tonight or you're not going to go out with your friends. And that's empty threats, right? So they say that. (laughs) It was in my household. Okay. But what happens if you can motivate them to do those behaviors because they see a clear reward? Patty, that'd be a miracle. You, you yeah. transform the entire parenting process here. So there's plenty of people doing it in that atmosphere where, you know, you create a website, parents set up the chores, the kids get rewarded. But we've taken it a step further, and we're implementing it with doctors and patients to do, you know, help people lose weight and doing diabetes management, smoking cessation. Like, we have a whole different direction that we're going with it. But that basic concept of you get rewarded for doing good things and you get in trouble when you do bad things. And is that a, going to be a different business for you or is that somehow fit into branding here? No, it's a product that we've been working on for a while now. And it's something that when we started the company, we were all technology lovers mm-hmm. and we wanted to innovate and make things different. And this is a product that we've been working on for a little while now. And it'll, you know, it'll be part of us. We'll still provide branding and consulting for our clients, but... So will we see a movie made of this someday? Will this be the next Facebook? Will this uh, be something that you think will sweep the country, or is this a very specialized app or or process? No, it, there's applications across the board, so I see it as a, a household item for people that are newlyweds, people with kids, people trying to change something in their life, whether it's smoking, weight loss. You know, bad behavior, their right. diet, right, and uh, then in corporate settings. For all right, so like walk that. me through this. All right, let's say, all right, let's let's since we talk mostly about corporations, 
let's talk about this in a corporate setting. So you would sell this to General Motors, and they would do what with it? Is it a program? Is it something that would re- is it software as a service? It resides on the internet somewhere, and they subscribe yeah. to it. Yeah, and it's a web-based application. It's a software as a service. So they would put all their employees into it, mm-hmm. and they probably have behaviors they expect their employees to do. And those are things that you have to do. It's your job. But right, make so many sales calls a week or something here. Right, right. but sometimes it's hard to motivate people to do certain behaviors, and it's more beneficial to a company when you get someone to make 50 cold calls and they get two sales appointments from it. Right. You know, it increases sales for the company. Absolutely. So, okay, so uh, without giving away the secrets here, give me some idea then. General Motors subscribes to this. They sign up all their sales people around the globe here. What? Right. How does it work? They do certain behaviors, and they earn points for doing those behaviors. Mm-hmm. They do negative things. If, let's say, they're involved in a project and they don't turn in the reports that were due, they can get dock points, mm. and it's a completely transparent process. So you can see what the sales guy across the, the way is doing. So mm. it increases competition. Right. And then when people earn enough points, it's like credit card reward point systems. You get mm-hmm. all these points, you get to cash them in for something. You get to get a new TV or refrigerator or a trip to Tahiti or something here. Yeah, so these are incentives that companies will set up. And they can be monetary incentives. They can be, you know, something intangible. You know, it's up to the company. Mm-hmm. The sky's the limit. So they create the rewards for the employees. I have never heard of that before. I, there are millions of, um, in fact, there's magazines and associations and everything about um, incentives, about, uh, con- uh, co- uh, what do they call them, premiums, you know, where you give your employees points and bonus points if they you win a sales trip or you win a you get so many I don't know how you earn these points but so you get a towards a new refrigerator new TV or you, usually it's like if you stay there 5 years you get to pick from this catalog of things and Yeah, my brother has that at, he works for Johnson & Johnson. Right. Another friend works for another pharmaceutical they have it also. Mhm. But, but I've never heard it where it's really transparent. Is you don't know what activity is it that I need to do to gain how many points. Mm-hmm. So now you get to see a, a clear thing. It, you know, make ten more calls and you can get that big screen TV you wanted. Yeah. Wow, that sounds like a powerful idea. Have you tested this at all? Have you test We're marked this? We're about to go into a private beta now. So. We have a local college that's interested in using it, so we're going to implement it for their team, and they'll be able to use it to manage projects, Hmm. and we'll see how it goes and what tweaks we need to make. Mm -hmm. And then does this become a separate business that you want to raise funds and and get venture capital and do all these other things, or is this still going to be within the branding agency here? No, it's going to be a separate entity, and we're going to raise money for it Mm -hmm. and help to grow it, build more tools for it, implement it in different markets, build mobile apps. I would encourage you to go back and listen to some of the archives of one of our shows called The Pilgrim on the 405. Uh, he sees himself as sort of a, a wandering uh, you know, visionary and wandering the, the 405 is the big freeway in California here from north to south. And he has done a whole series of shows recently about crowdfunding. Are you... Uh, Aware of that whole thing, Kickstarter and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're really cool, and we've looked at it, and we might take a take a stab at it. Crowdfunding is going to take a big change, apparently, uh, according to 
some of the guests he had on some of his recent shows because it looks like they either have approved or they're going to approve on a congressional level, a federal level, the idea of offering uh, equity uh, to private investors through crowdfunding. So it, and right now, crowdfunding, for those who don't know, is you go to a site like Kickstarter and you see some cool company and say, I'll give them $50, I'll give them $20. Yeah, I'd like to see that succeed. And maybe you get, if you donate enough, you get a free copy of the product or something here. You get that thing that they're creating. Um, but it is kind of more of that you are doing this because you want to help a bunch of entrepreneurs succeed. You, you feel good. You want to be part of the process here. And so they don't really get much in return other than maybe they get, you know, I don't know, a they picture. They get a sample of the product. Yeah. They get a, tickets to something. They get their name in the software. Right. They get a T-shirt. They get a picture yeah. or something or whatever. But this is the idea where you could actually become an investor that way, too, if you, were, if you gave enough money here. And that's something that crowdfunding's never been able to do and apparently is going to be able to do now. So, fascinating. All right. Well, you're on the cutting edge of a lot of things here. Social media, uh, the whole wave of branding, um, and now you've got your own product that you're going to take to market here, too. Is there anything we haven't talked about or any covered here? I mean, <laughs> let's see. You just you just told me, let's see, my father's from uh, Egypt, my partner's in Russia, um, I have my own branding company, and uh, by the way, I'm starting a new uh, software-as-a-service app. Just, just the normal you know, run-of-the-mill stuff like everybody's doing. Isn't everybody doing that today? I thought they were. <laughs> so is there anything we didn't cover here, anything you'd like to toss in, or if, any final thoughts here as we wrap up? No, except, you know, people can find me online at my URL, xercel.com. What's the history? I should have asked you that up front. What does is, what is, uh, Zercel mean? What? Gosh, where yeah, did that come from? It came from... Uh, an American, a Russian, and a Croatian sitting in a room for two days fighting over an <laughs> But you have like a scrabble board and you just kept throwing words together and say, uh, ish biming, uh, no, okay. <laughs> yeah, and then we would call our friends, what do you think of this? How would you pronounce this? What, you know? <laughs> so t- there wasn't any, this doesn't, uh, th- this doesn't have anything to do with uh, Xerxes, the ancient uh, uh, Persian king or any other exotic thing to it, other than it, it sounded like a cool name. Yeah, it's a good name. It's a good brand name. Okay, all right. Well, it certainly sounds like it's going to launch not just one brand, but many here. So, how to give us all the uh, ways to get in touch with you? Phone numbers, email, social media. How would you want people to reach out to you if they wanted to hear more about your branding agency or this wild idea that you've got for? Um, sure, they can find us online at x e r. C-E-L.com. They mm-hmm. can email me at patty, P-A-T-T-Y, at X-E-R-C-E-L.com. Or they can give us a call at 215-255-6955. And that's in where? That's in Philadelphia? Yep, Philadelphia, PA. Okay. And uh, do you do business outside of that area? Or if, if somebody had a question in Bismarck, North Dakota or whatever, where are you open to talking to them or working with them in other places? Obviously, I don't know why I asked that. You've got a partner in Russia, so I don't think do, having a client in uh, Burma or something would be difficult for you here. But Yeah, we're definitely happy to work with people anywhere in the United States. So give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Well, thanks for being part of uh, our show today. And uh, if you want to get in touch with uh, Patty, you've got the uh, address and the phone numbers and stuff here. 
Uh, we want to thank you for listening today and hope that you will tune in again uh, next Thursday. Uh, actually, next Thursday, I don't know if we're doing a show because I think we're having the day off for the fourth, long 4th of July weekend, so it might have to be the weekend after that. Um, but uh, definitely check us out every Thursday at 3 o'clock. It's Coast to Coast, the only show that talks to businesses about across the country about what they're doing to succeed. And I'll tell you what, if everybody had half the ambition and ideas that Patty did, this economy would be rebounding much quicker than it is here. Thanks for listening. And uh, again, um, you've been listening to uh, Critical Mass uh, Coast to Coast. As I said, you've been listening to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Right here at North County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio. Dot net.